All right. Well, hello, church family. Uh, it's Pastor Justin here with my good friend and fellow pastor from Ohio, Donathan Stubbs. Don, how you doing, brother? I'm good, buddy. I'm doing well. Hope you guys are doing well, and I'm praying for you guys. Appreciate that. It's been a been a crazy season already with Corona. And man, I'll tell you how. Uh, what? How is? How are things going down there with you and uh, the the? Our, this is a sister church of ours. For those of you who don't know, yeah. um, they're called the Branch now. They got a new cool name. We're thinking about <laughs> copying that. We're gonna be like the. Uh, well, here it'd probably be like the you know, the pine tree or something. I don't know. What, what right. <laughs> or something That's else. awesome. But um, Sister Church, uh, we've sent many of our folks down to a ministry uh, that Dawn has helped start down there at their church called um, uh, Off the Wall. It's a one-year long discipleship program. We've had a, an awesome relationship with their church over the years. And Amen. actually, Dawn and Travis will be coming up here at the end of August uh, for what we're calling Discipleship Weekend to encourage our church at what does discipleship look like? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus and to make mm. disciples of Jesus? Amen. Looking forward to, to hanging out yeah. with you guys in August. It'll still be warm enough, so you don't have to yes. bring too many layers. I'm bringing a couple of jackets just in case. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Always. Just in case. Be a good Boy Scout. We, um, and so, yeah, we're excited. We've, we've been so encouraged by your guys' relationship. But in this season, how are you and the branch, the guys, the, our, our brothers and sisters down in Ohio doing? Well, it's been interesting. And, you know, we've had a lot of restrictions. So we are just now starting to reopen. Mm -hmm. uh, and we just have so many people in so many different sides from a vantage point and just uh, trying to walk through that graciously mm -hmm. are we are planning to have our first open service where everyone could kind of come back but we're still going to modify numbers and maybe go to two services in three weeks yeah. but we've been doing a lot of things online online and everything and it's it's more difficult than i thought it would be because mm -hmm. this thing has the potential i didn't think it would but the the disunity that it can bring out in people. Mm -hmm. And so we've just fought really hard to remind our people that we're citizens of heaven and that God has called us to be uh, united and to um, love one another in the midst of real differences and real opinions, which are human, but so how do you do that? So we're working through all that, but we're doing well. So thank you. That's awesome. And, you know, you talk about that unity that we need. I think we already saw that with the pandemic and people's different takes on what was going on and what responses yeah. are. And then I think in some ways it was a forest of dry twigs um, and, you know, a, a match got thrown in there in the, the video of, of George Floyd and, and his death. And um, we've seen just our, our nation just in, in flames now and somewhat literally. Yeah. And, yes. As I was praying through this week and just thinking about this and, and wanting to see it the way God sees it, you know, I recognized my own heart's inclination just to see something and immediately make a conclusion or immediately yes. choose a side or, or whatever it might be. When over and over in scripture, we're taught to, taught to be slow to speak and quick to listen, slow to anger. Yes. 
quick to humbly say, Lord, what are you doing? Amen. And one of the yeah. things in that for me was just, I want to listen, you know, here I am, you know, I'm a white man um, in America. I have my own perspective, but you know, I thought of you brother and our relationship and I've yeah. always respected you and love to see your heart for the Lord and following him earnestly and yeah. just wanted to get your take. I thought that would be more helpful for our body to hear from you than from yeah. me in this yeah. uh, time. And so I uh, just wanted to chat a little bit about this. And, and okay. first, first question I had for you was what, what has been your experience uh, growing up in America uh, as an African-American? Yeah, so it's been interesting. So I've actually spent a lot of time really thinking and praying about this. And I just want to um, preface everything. Mm -hmm. What I'm going to share personally are my personal experiences. Mm -hmm. And they may be shared with some, but not many. And they're not corporately every African-American's experience. Yeah. And we have to be careful to lump. Well, that's everyone's experience. So we have to be yeah. very careful not to do that. Mm -hmm. So I was, because um, we're actually shooting a video later on the day. So they were asking me that same question. And I, mm -hmm. I thought about it. And the first time I realized that I was quintessentially different than white America was I, I had a buddy and I was only seven or eight years old. So many, many years ago, I'm almost 58 now. And this was, you grew up and, in Chicago area? No, I actually grew up in Ohio and then moved to oh, Chicago. Okay. My okay. early years were in Ohio. Okay. Um, and so I remember um, my friend Raymond wanted, we were going to go swimming. I've never been swimming. I, didn't know anything about swimming and he said well we'll just go to Packard pool hmm. and and I said that's fine I said I'm not a swimmer but I would love to I I think it'd be cool but I remember distinctly hearing his mom go in the house pick up the phone and call and ask is it all right if I bring an African-American young man with me to swim hmm. and I didn't even it didn't even hit me I'm young so I don't think anything about it go home I kind of talking to my mom and I said, you know, she called and asked if she could take me. I, and my mom said, that's because uh, you're black. And she said, for so long, we have had to fight these type of policies. And not that he, she was racist, she just didn't know. Maybe she never had to take an African-American with her before. So she, I think she was trying to protect me mm -hmm. if there was a, if I couldn't go in. Mm. But I, I remember that distinctly leaving a mark on me. And so through the years, you know, um, and I'm just giving my personal experiences. Yeah. We were, we, we were just talking about this in the office today. Todd said, do you remember the time we went to go buy a van? And I got out and I said, we're interested in the van for the ministry. And the guy said, yeah, just take it. And you got, you can ride it. And then I stepped out and he said, oh, he said, maybe I should go with you guys. Wow. And, you know, I've been pulled over. When I first came to New Philly, and now it's only 11 years ago, I was pulled over and the guy said, what are you doing in this area? Uh, and I said, well, I'm, I'm just, just moved to the area. Like, he said, well, who are you going to visit? And I said, well, I didn't really even know anyone. He said, okay. He said, this is, you shouldn't be here. There's, there's a lot of drugs and and it's I've been pulled over probably 20 times asked these same type of questions and I have had my worst case scenario I went to Youngstown State before Moody 
to be a probation officer for young kids. I remember me and a, a friend of mine who were probation officers took about five, six African-American youth up to a Cleveland Indians game. We were coming back and we stopped in a McDonald's in Shaker Heights, Ohio. And we go in and we're ordering in the, um, the, the security guard, I don't know, I think it was an off-duty cop. He said, well, you guys can just get that and go. I said, is it closing? He said, no, you should just go. I said, no, I just want to eat with the guys. It'd be easier. And he said, no, your kind aren't, aren't welcome here. You need to just get it and go. And I just said, well, we're not doing that. This is America. Next thing I found myself on the ground with handcuffs on. I was arrested and thrown into jail. Wow. And I was a probation officer, so I called my boss, who called the, the judge of Mahoney County, who called, I guess, the judge of that area. And they came in about two hours later and said, you can go. And that's all they said. But those five African young men watch me, watch this happen. So this has been something I've experienced. Now, Justin, I want to be honest, majority of white Americans have never treated me this way. So we're talking about a small percentage. Mm -hmm. But I tell people what, what racism does to you personally, it, it scars you. But I tell my people, and I said, it's my obligation to not allow it to I, um, cause me to identify with being a Black American or African American because I am a, I am a child of God. And, I, and that's what you have to fight against. So that's been a lot of my personal experience, a lot of racism. Even now, if I'm walking on the streets, and I was just sharing with this, just last summer I was walking in, two older white women were walking and all of a sudden they clutched their purse and then they crossed the street. Mm. And I realized that's probably fear-based mm -hmm. and they're just not showing. Maybe they just heard stories or rumors. And I tell people there's a big difference between a racist act and racism, a racist heart. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, sometimes we'll do an act not realizing it is racist because of fear or, or maybe um, a bad experience but not truly hate someone just based on the color of their skin. So we have to be very careful not to label everyone as racist, but there are a lot of racist acts and racist policies that have caused what we're seeing today. So, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that experience, yeah. your experiences and the way that that's, that's impacted you. And I think, you know, a, a different perspective than somebody that I, you know, I, growing up you know n never having faced anything like that um yeah. and the impact that would have on you and you know we we talk you know we're not here to debate you know what what exactly happened with george floyd and you know yeah. what, what was right or wrong you know we're not but yes. but we know what we've clearly seen is what this has stirred up you know and in some yes. ways it's symbolic and, and and we we love george floyd and we love his family yeah. and everybody involved and and i'm um, praying for that yeah. whole situation but um you know, we, we talk about the larger scale picture of what um, hmm. kind of sy systemic racism, yeah. tolerance, discrimination looks like. Um, you know, yeah. what is what is your perspective on that? How, how do we think about that as, as believers? Yeah. So one of the things, and this is why I talk about there might be racist policies. So, you know, I remember in one of my African uh, lit literature and history class at Youngstown State, we had to do a study on just blacks in America. And, you know, we've, we've been here 
about 400 years. And for 350 of those years, there has been policies or laws that have been racist. Mm-hmm. And so I know you can go back to slavery, you can go back to Jim Crow laws, you can go back to uh, segregation, you can go back to so many things, um, the right to vote, the right to own land, um, the right to cohabitate. You know, I, I studied particularly Tennessee, you know, there were 20 laws in a span of 100 years and not until 1955, 58, were those laws finally saying that's not legal. Wow. And so when you have so many laws and, and you know, it's a separate but equal, you know, you, you can ride on this bus, but you can't do that. You can live, but you can't live with a white person. Mm. You can't eat at the same place. So that's what we mean by systemic racism. So what that creates in a person is social and economic uh, inequalities. Mm. You know, uh, and if you look at it, it's still a real problem. Some people said, well, you know, they're just not trying. But I lived in Chicago and I, and I worked in the inner city and the schools are subpar. Mm. Uh, and that's just the reality, low paying jobs. You know, some of the, the laws were actually, and this is crazy, because of what we call when we had the years of when America was booming in the late 1800s and everything. Um, they put laws in because they were, everyone was prospering, but even the blacks. So they said, wait, you know, like that's not mm. good. So let's put laws so they can't, they can't be politicians. They can't be in places of authority and everything. And so what happens after that, it creates this inequality and, and socially and economically. And then if you don't put other laws in place to give people greater opportunities, it's hard, to, it's hard not to be affected by those. So systemic racism, and for me personally, you know, I remember very distinctly growing up when African-American young girls were straightening their hair so they wouldn't look too African-American. I remember reading about slavery and if you were a light-skinned Negro, you mm-hmm. might have the opportunity to work in, in, a, in a home. But if you were dark-skinned, you got the worst jobs and often were the worst treated. So not only is there economic inequality and social, then it creates identity inequality in you. I remember there was a phase in the late 70s when African-American, Michael Jackson even in the 80s tried to lighten his skin so he wasn't so dark. And so just that kind of thing, that's what happens out of that. And then you have these inequalities. People don't understand. It's hard to get ahead in those situations. It's hard if you, if welfare is a better option for you than going to work. Mm-hmm you know, well, what are you going to do? And I tell people all the time, welfare, the premise of it was good, but now it's not well nor fair. Mm-hmm. It's not a great system. Mm-hmm. And it kind of keeps people locked into depending on others instead of, I'm just going to, I have all the opportunities to get ahead. I have that good education. Everything's equal. So I'm really going to fight hard. So, yeah. and it's not all, it's not all white America's fault. Um, but they have been the powers that right. allow these policies to persist for so long. Now we have a bigger issue. So, but that's what we mean by systemic racism. And it's been around a long time. Yeah. You know, I remember, I actually remember when Dr. King died, April 4th, 19, I believe it was 68. 
Yeah, you were what right. thirty at the time, I think, or what was it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was I was five or six, but I mm. remember my mom weeping because they didn't show the shot, but everyone was talking about it, and it was on the news. Mm-hmm. And I just I didn't get it. I didn't. And what's a big deal, you know? Get people die all the time, but he was a symbol of hope and fighting systemic racism. And I think she thought that maybe because the spokesperson who people were rallying around black and white was dead, then the fight would stop. So that's kind of been why systemic racism, what I've seen mm-hmm. and how it's affected people. So, yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. It runs deeper than we know. And even though laws have changed, uh, yes. you know, are more in line with that, you know, we know that the ultimate, the ultimate issue here, as always, stems, stems yes. back to our sinful hearts. Heart. You know, <laughs> and we will find any reason, whether it's r- r- racial, whether it's economic, whether it's, you know, the team I yeah. like versus the sports team you like, you know, we're going to find yes. reasons to uh, separate and put myself on the inside and yourself on the outside. Um, yeah. This is one way we're seeing this uh, continue to yeah. play out in our nation. Yeah. And so as as believers, you know, we have the debates about, you know, well, people who feel like, you know, it, it, we're not just social justice warriors, we're just preaching the gospel, but we see clearly, I mean, there is a call to defend the defenseless, um, to bring oh, peace on earth. And so, you know, as we think about this from a believer's perspective, um, and, and what does God, you know, because we're all, the question we should always be asking is, <laughs> how does God see this? What's God's heart in this? What does he tell us in our, in, in his word? that we ought to do, um, you know, how do we as believers respond um, to this? Because I think for a lot of people, they might have the, the simple thought of, well, like, I don't think I'm personally a racist, or I haven't said a specific thing to somebody else or treated someone else, you know, a specifically, uh, you know, discriminatory way. But, you know, what, what, how should we see this? And what should we as the church, how should we as the church biblically respond? I know it's a big question. It's yeah. a huge question. Well, we know that racism, prejudice, partiality of any kind is mm-hmm. a sin. Yeah. James talks about that. Read James chapter two. You're going to see all that. And God has called us to be um, agents of transformation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. with the call to transform, it's not just transform people into the, well, we can't transform, but agents of transformation. So giving people the opportunity to, to live in a way that is dignified. Mm. So obviously we first start with the gospel. Because yeah. that's the biggest Amen. transformation that's needed. Mm. I don't care what color you are, the gospel is what's needed in Amen. your life. And then you have to, and I had a really good conversation with one of our employees at Off the Wall Music, because he just didn't know what to do. I said, I said, what's your sphere of influence and who's in it? Mm. And I said, honestly, I said, man, I think you're going to have to, one, listen what the Holy Spirit, like some people are called to protest. I don't ever think looting and violence and killing is ever accepted, ever. And the Bible talks about it. Even, even in the Bible, Paul, we see riots in the Bible all the time. But I remember even when the pro council said, you know, if you, if you want to handle this matter, we need to do it peacefully. You know, the Bible, you know, we know there was a riot when they stood up a riot to crucify Jesus. Paul was in riots and things like that. And they were always triggered out of a, out of a heart issue. Mm-hmm. 
and whether the like when there is a heart issue like people saw the gentleman and they said yeah they're treating us wrong but then we take it and we turn it into a sin issue by doing things that are illegal that doing things that aren't honoring to christ at all so the first thing we have to do is not cross the line between what god says is permitted and what and what he says is not mm-hmm. secondly we have to work within our sphere of influence you know like mm-hmm. honestly your post on facebook maybe because i know you may affect me mm-hmm. but if i don't know you it has a bigger potential to anger me mm. or support my ideology because right. I, I, I haven't had a dialogue exactly so I think honest dialogue yes and i told this um ben i said go and study if you really want to understand go and study get all the information and then go to your friends and have real dialogue mm-hmm. this is why maybe they're upset this is the, like maybe it started as just a protest but anger bill and then there was a agitator or initiator who said let's take it from anger to hate Mm-hmm. And so what we're protesting, yeah. the hateful treatment of a gentleman, now we become the perpetrators of. And so we've got mm-hmm. to not allow that. And this is what Satan wants to do. He wants us to act like the very people we're protesting against. Yeah. And God says that we're created in his image and we bear his, his mark and we're to be his ambassadors. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, we've got to check ourselves and say, am, is, am I being an ambassador of Jesus Christ? Am I walking in a manner worthy of the gospel right now. I don't care how mad I am. I am not an African-American. I'm a citizen of heaven. Amen. First and foremost. Mm. And my allegiance is to heaven in Jesus Christ. And that's how we have to think. And when I'm personally a friend, I was sitting on the porch the other day and said, man, God, I want to be angry. He said, well, you can be angry. Just don't sing. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah. Donna, there has been real hurt. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And you feel that. But as a leader of a church and as a leader of a ministry, you lose certain freedoms. Mm-hmm. You don't get to just go out there and throw it. Well, I should never throw a brick. But I even decided I wasn't going to protest. You want know, to know why? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people in my church wouldn't understand. And I would lose the ability to speak mm-hmm. into their lives mm-hmm. about this issue. Instead of not protesting, we're going to shoot a video, we're going to have dialogue and everything. Yeah. And I haven't done anything that would say I'm just not going to listen yeah. to them. And now I have this platform to be an agent of transformation mm-hmm. in my church, in my sphere of influence. And I think that's really what we have to be fighting for. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's huge. And I think that's well said. I think, you know, we see on Facebook, it becomes shouting matches, you know, nobody's really listening. Uh, If you're for it, you're, you know, and I think that's, yeah, yeah, it's not nuanced enough. And I, you know, I know for me, a lot of it, you know, is starting in my own heart and saying, Lord, what do I, what do I need to learn here? How do I need to grow? Um, Whether it is, you know, specific seeds of um, stereotypes and discrimination uh, in my own heart. You know, I've seen that, you know, I've been walking down the street late at night and I've seen someone coming at me, you know, and being transparent here, you know, sometimes the color of their skin has affected the way that I perceive them. And I don't, I don't think that comes from this overt, you know, I'm inherently, you know, against a, a specific skin color, but but we have grown up in this nation with some of that mindset. And so whether it's that yes. or any other form of um, just not love toward other people and categorizing yes. and minimizing, like you said, showing 
partiality. It's easy at the church for me to go, you know, if I see a richer person come through the door, oh, that, that person's going to tithe well. Yes. You know, I got I to gotta yes. make sure I go over and shake that hand, you know. Like, and, and so we, yes. we, we need to have that rooted out of our own hearts, um, first yes. and foremost, and, and then to be able to come to others. Because the solution here, whether it's police officers, um, whether it is yeah. us responding, the solution is we need to make disciples to turn people's hearts to Jesus, to be able to be the yes. kind of people and, the, and therefore the kind of society we're called to be. Yeah. And I don't think people understand that transformation. When you think about transformation, this God given change that he does in us, you know, everyone who is a child of God under needs to understand that that's the only way true change ever comes to any society. Mm -hmm. Like we could, God has appointed all authority and all authority is appointed by God. So just a blatant violation of authority, mm -hmm. you put yourself in a sinful and yeah. in, in disagreement with God. Mm -hmm. So that's why looting and, and shooting and that's all wrong. I don't care how angry you are. When you cross that line, you've now made yourself in uh, disagreement with the creator of the universe so we can't do that but i love how you said it honestly what's in my heart like we all have some little bit of fear that now may cause us to do a racist act like you said walking well i'm sure there's been times i myself probably have done the same thing i've been sure. so ingrained in a white culture if i see 10 guys coming with hoods up i don't honestly i don't care if they're white or black I'm <laughs> yeah. crossing. Some of that is just for safety. It's not racist at all. We're just right. not sure. Yes. But that's where we check our heart. God, am, yeah. I, am I categorizing them based on their skin? Or am I just fearful? Yep. And yep. do I need to? Am I just being wise? Do yeah. I need to maybe take an action for safety? There's so many right. things going on. And that's why I said be very careful to start labeling people yes. just because of one act. Yes. I had a Zoom with our youth last night and one Girl said, well, how can you tell the difference? I said, you will know if someone's racist by the span of their actions, mm -hmm. not by one-time act. Right. If they're constantly saying things, if they're constantly doing things, if they're belittling other people or talking about whole groups of people, stereotyping, and this is a consistent pattern, right. you could probably say, okay, that guy has a racist heart yeah. or that girl. Yeah. But if it's a one-time act and we all have done them and so let's be gracious in that mm -hmm. now some carry much greater consequences yes. and then the action needs to be more mm -hmm. hard and that's probably what we've seen mm -hmm. with those police officers yeah now we may not convict them but they have to have a harder response because someone died mm -hmm. in their care yeah I love the cops. I think 99.9% .9 of them are really good. Mm. But in this case, that man on the ground became subhuman yeah. to that gentleman. And you have to take a stand. Yep. It's just like abortion. Mm -mm. We'll picket someone saying, no, you can't kill a baby. Well, you can't kill. I don't care. Once he is under control, you don't need to have your knee on his neck any longer. Mm -hmm. There's no need for that. Yeah. So the consequences may be greater. Right. For that one-time act. Yep. But it still might just be a one-time act. But yeah. it doesn't lessen sometimes the consequences because God is a just God. Mm -hmm. And your consequences 
or play out sometimes. He gonna allow you. For, sometimes he's gracious and he mm. covers all of that. And yeah. sometimes said, "No, you're gonna feel this one. Yeah, you're gonna feel this." And he might be trying to do something in that guy's heart, and that's what we can't forget. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If those if those officers don't know the Lord, well, they need Christ. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that's going to change your heart. Jail won't change your heart. Mm-hmm. Christ will. So that's how I look at it. Amen. Amen. Man, it's good. Well, I, Don, it's an encouragement, as always, to get together with you, uh, to hear your heart. And I appreciate you sharing that, not just with me, but with our people. I think you're, you're so right. You know, we are each individuals, um, you know, and, and as we go forward in this, remembering ev- each person is a person. They're complicated. We want to hear their story. And like you said earlier, you're sharing your experience, your yes. um, take on this. And, and we know, I mean, everybody's going to, and we have state troopers, policemen in our church, you know, and it's yeah. been wanting to come to them too. And, and how is this affecting you? You know, yes. as this reaction's coming out, um, you know, coming to our, our brothers and sisters who find themselves in a, a minority position racially and just being quick to listen. And so that's what we yeah. wanted to do today. And I just appreciate yeah. you sharing that heart. And I hope that we yeah. have ears to hear. Um, and and Amen, brother. always appreciate you being a, a testimony. And we're looking forward to you coming up in August. Bring bring those layers. And uh, yeah, I'll bring them, buddy. <laughs> well, good. Well, thanks for All your right. time, man. And we'll uh, we'll stop the recording.